you are enough. You are chosen. You are worthy. You are precious. You are important. And today is your day. Don't forget to start the day waking with the word. Good morning. We are coming towards the end of this series and this is part 20. We've spoken about the tremendous loss the disciples felt. We've said that the biggest part of that loss perhaps was realising that their dreams, that their ambitions, that their expectations were not going to come about. Jesus came into their lives and they wholeheartedly followed him, some of them. In following him, they tried to put in what they thought would work, what they thought was best. We see a picture of a man who is the rabboni, who is teaching, they are following. He shows them, shall we say, how to do miracles, sends them out, tells them miracles will happen, it happens. But we also see a friendship group. We see John leaning on Jesus's breast. We see Peter trying to discuss with Jesus what is best. We see Judas expressing that when the lady poured the perfume over Jesus's feet, it was a waste. These men, and there would have been women, were not made to control themselves under Jesus's mighty hand of leadership. It's almost like they were a band of brothers together. But Jesus was the leader. Jesus was the wise one. And he loved them all. He washed their feet. He inspired them. He cared for them and he cared for their families. And we see this in the fact that he goes into Peter's house and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. They had tremendous commitment to Jesus. But this commitment was born not just out of duty, it was born out of love, but it was born also out of expectation. They expected him to do something. They thought he was the Messiah. They perhaps felt he was building an army. And then they realised it's not going to happen. It's not going to be the way they thought or the way they wanted. And it's also not going to be what they thought nor what they wanted. And perhaps they will have felt it was a waste. What a waste. What a load of froth and bubble. They built up these big expectations, even of their people, of the nation. The nation saw dead people rising. They saw sick people being healed. They saw the religious people who are keeping the ordinary people in captivity being told off, being warned. They saw Jesus standing up powerfully with his words. And then they saw him killed and murdered and dead. Disappointment. And yet he promised the kingdom of heaven. Despair, perhaps, and yet he'd promised the kingdom of heaven. They believed he was the Messiah. 
the one coming to save them, and yet they saw him murdered. In that place is where I said they met the angels. But the angels came with the message, he is not here. So he was buried, he was murdered, he was mocked, he was shamed, he was utterly destroyed in human terms. And then, even his body is not there. Even their plans to look after him in death were not to be fulfilled. The disciples found themselves completely out of control. We have suffered lockdown in the UK and I know many of you have in America and all around the world. Plans that we had made have come to nothing. Our hands have been tied and we have not been in control. And for many of us, we may have felt a terrible sense of being out of control. If you already knew the one that is in control, and if you already had a very firm relationship with him, this will have been slightly easier for you, and perhaps immensely easier for you. That will be dependent upon your stability in your walk with him. And I'm not saying that to put anyone down. I'm saying it because it's the truth. I'm saying it in the hope that we may all continue to grow in our relationship with him. That we may all get the desire that the disciples got through this experience in the end. To know God, to be filled with a greater power, to be filled with the one who is the rock, with the one who makes the plans, with the one who is sure and firm. After he had risen and after they had seen him, you would think that that would be the answer, that meeting Jesus again, that seeing him again would be what they needed. But actually, Jesus gives them a message. And the message is wait. They had suffered terrible disappointment. They had suffered terrible lack of control. They had suffered terrible shame, terrible loss. And they were grieving and they were waiting and then they meet him again. And you would think that that would be the answer, that there would be this amazing moment where they had suddenly had everything fall into place and all the pain, all the hurt was healed. But it wasn't. You would think that he would say, now go, go, go and tell everyone you've seen me. You would think that perhaps he would say, now, come on, I've beaten death. And now we're going to go and overthrow the Romans and get the nation back, which is what they thought he was going to do. But instead, the word that comes to them may have seemed exceedingly disappointing. Because it is weight. 
Still do nothing. Still stop. Still you won't be in control. Still I'm not going to overthrow your enemies. Still what you're looking for, what you're hoping for, what you're wanting is not going to happen right now. In fact, I want your eyes off of that small thing that you were hoping for that seems so big to you onto a much greater, deeper thing that I am looking for. Let me say it again. God was saying, I want your eyes off of that small thing that you were looking for, that you thought was going to happen onto a much greater thing that I want to happen. And let me say it one more time. God was saying, I want your eyes off of that small thing that you thought was going to happen, that you wanted to happen, onto a much greater thing that I want to happen. You see, Jesus was not coming to do what they wanted. God had not sent Jesus to do what human beings thought was best or what they needed. God had sent Jesus to do what God wanted. not what they expected. And although they went with it and they kept hold of him and they followed him and they loved him and they served him, his mission was never going to be what they wanted. It was always going to be what the father wanted. And here we have another moment where they realize it's not about us. It's not about our way. But in realising that they have the deeper, the fuller and the greater than their way. The Bible says that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. God's ways are greater than my ways. There comes a point where I have to surrender and say, Lord, I will wait for your way. I will listen for your words. I will accept that you always know greater, know better than me and you are in control. The most incredible thing is that he is mine and I am his. That he will be yours and is yours and you are his. And so in him knowing greater, in him knowing better, he will and can know greater for you and better for you. But when we're always looking, always searching, always waiting, always expecting, always hoping that which we feel or felt he should do or would do, then we don't wait for just what he is going to do, can do and wants to do with us with our assistance, with our involvement. So Peter, Mary, John, Mary the mother of Jesus, Thomas, in fact even poor dear Judas, had learnt that they were part of something greater and that they can have a part in it as Judas did or be part of it as Peter became. I want to be part of it. I don't want a part in the things that God does. 
I want to be part of the things that God does. And part of being part of the things that he does is realizing that I am part of his glory. This is why it is so tremendously sad and disappointing and damaging when one person disparages another person or when you look at your child and you put them down or when you tell any people group they cannot know God. When you pinpoint other people's sin and you judge them and mock them and things like that. When you estrange them and cast them out, it damages the very core of their being because they were made to be part of the glory of God and so were you. Not one person is greater or bigger than another. We are all part of his glory. That's what makes us glorious. And what we should be teaching everybody is that they are glorious, wonderfully, beautifully, fabulously made. Whoever they are and whatever you think, he made them part of his glory. And that's the basis, that's the beginning for a dynamic relationship with God. If you want to encourage someone in the Lord, stop and don't put them down. Don't tell them they can't know him because whoever they are, they can. Don't pinpoint what you think is wrong in them because you're not God. But start telling them how fabulous they are. Start telling them how wonderful they are. Start telling them how gloriously made they are. And don't say you're gloriously made, but you're just gloriously made no matter what. It's a fact. You're part of God's glory. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You're deeply loved. You are loved with an everlasting love. You're incredible and he thinks you're incredible. And whatever way you are made and whoever you are, if you will listen to him, wait for him, just for him. Not for me, not for my opinion of you, not for your opinion of me. But for him, individually, personally, if you will wait for him then he will come upon you with the power of God that you have been created to receive with that intimate relationship that human beings had from the beginning of time. And you will experience what you were really made for. And that won't be anything to do with me. My opinion is not important at all and should never really be given. Because God wants you to hear his voice personally. Jesus came to give goodwill to all men as the angels proclaimed when he was born. If he had overthrown the Romans and given back Israel their nation, it would have been a national thing. But it wouldn't have affected and helped the whole world. The door would never have been opened, the word would not have been preached, that even the Gentiles could now have a dynamic, personal relationship with God, that instead of it being a national relationship just for the Israelites, it was now a personal and intimate relationship with God for each and every person. But each and every one of the disciples had to learn that it was not 
their way. It was not because of their strength. It was not their ideas. They were not to lead. And even meeting Jesus after death was not the answer. The answer was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The answer was to receive back into their psychological, emotional, physical, mental and spiritual being. The presence of God. A relationship with God. The Holy Spirit comes and he quickens my spirit. He wakes up my mind. He rejuvenates my body. He heals my broken heart. He gives me life again. And he can guide me. And he can lead me. And he can watch me. And he can protect me. And he can defend me. And he can instruct me. Because he's with me. And then I have that relationship with him that says, I will fear no evil, even in the valley of the shadow of death, because you're with me. I have the relationship that says I can run through a troop and leap over a wall because you're with me. I have that relationship that says I do not need to fear anything or anyone because you're with me. I have that persuasion on the inside of God. Not in my mind, but because I know him and I experience him. Wait on the Lord. He will send you the comforter. He will send you the consoler. He will send you the consolation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and formless, but the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That word hovering means to tremble with excitement. He was trembling with excitement over what he was creating and what was going to be. And it's that same spirit of God that comes to live inside of me because he is so excited that he made me. He is so excited about who I am. He is so excited about having a relationship with me. He is so excited about who he will be in my life and what he will do. And you know, the excitement is not just about what he will build and all the wonderful things, but he's excited just to be with me. He's excited just to live out every day with me. He's excited to be intimately connected to me. That, that was the reason Jesus came. That was the promise he gave when he left. You will become witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be a witness, not say a witness, not explain a witness, not live out a witness. You'll be a witness because you will experience the power of the living God. And to experience that power, you must come away with him inside yourself. It must be what he feels, what he wants, 
not your way. But you must want to experience the incredibly dynamic relationship you can have with him, where your expectations do not lead to anxiety anymore. Because you know the one who has you and the one who holds you and the one you can trust. This is true freedom. Wait on the Lord. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the peace of God. Look to him. Forget what other people think, what other people feel, what other people say. Wait. And behold, he will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, thank you so much for what you have done in our lives through this series. We wait for you, we love you, and we thank you for your fabulous gift of grace and of the Holy Spirit. Give us hearts that desire you and that relationship far above and more than anything else. Jesus never took his eyes off what he was trying to do because it was the greatest gift to humanity that we could ever have. Thank you for doing it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I will speak to you tomorrow, guys. God bless. If you would like to support our work, you can find details at info at comebacktogod.org.